China is by far the biggest risk in the world today, and the Chinese seem intent on proving it, whether they mean to or not. The government there just announced new emergency measures to try to stabilize the situation, but as we know, the more the Chinese government does, the worse you know it must be. But how serious is all of this? And what are some keys to watch for how things might be shaping up moving forward? That's what we're gonna go over today. But before we get to those, let's talk about what just happened. Earlier today, the Chinese government announced, the PBOC, People's Bank of China, the central bank announced that it was going to cut the RRR rate by 50 basis points on February 5th. And this is unusual for a couple of things. First of all, it's a 50 basis point cut to the RRR rate, which normally they do 25, at least in more recent times. The PBOC has been more predisposed to do a 25 basis point rate cut rather than 50. Not only that, the Chinese government, the PBOC, altered its procedure. Normally what happens is the state council in China makes some comments that gives you a sense that something like this is coming. And then the PBOC puts up the announcement on its website and then the uh, RR cut or whatever the policy may be actually happens later on. But now they completely circumvented that process and Pan Gongsheng, the governor of the PBOC, just came out and announced February 5th, we're gonna do a 50 basis point RR cut. So already a couple signs that authorities are becoming a little bit more concerned about the situation there. And there's every reason to be concerned. Obviously the economy is not developing as everyone had hoped. It started with reopening last year, which basically fell flat almost immediately. And then the initial round of stimulus measures the Chinese government put out, they didn't seem to help. And even the Western media, which all throughout last year was talking about how China had turned a corner, and then it turned a corner, then China turned a corner. Every couple months, China had turned a corner. Even the Western media nowadays has given up on all that because the economic statistics don't leave you much for interpretation these days. Essentially, the economy continues to get worse and slow down and is not responding to government efforts or any efforts for that matter. And there are warning signs in the financial system that the, the real estate situation isn't just a real estate situation. It may be spreading further afield. We already know Chinese banks don't want to lend. And now the government is coming along saying, yeah, we kind of see it too. That's the implication for all of this stuff here. So the RR cut, first of all, again, 50 basis points is double what it normally would be. And the alteration of the procedure suggests that they're a little bit more nervous about this time, this time around, than maybe they would normally be. In fact, this quote from Bloomberg, I think put it really well here. Announcing an RR cut in advance suggests there's no other effective tools available to stem the market route. So as stocks have been plummeting throughout January, authorities have become increasingly nervous and then decided this is basically all we have. Let's just announce an emergency rate cut and hope that it works. Now an RR cut simply means that Chinese banks will be allowed to use more of their cash holdings for whatever purposes. And the, the idea is quite simple enough. If you give Chinese banks more cash to use, they need to hold less in reserve for whatever on their balance sheet, then they're probably going to use it. At least that's the, that's the plan. But as we've seen in the past, these RR cuts are not stimulative. These RR cuts don't actually lead to the outcomes that everybody hopes. In fact, we see RR cuts during the worst circumstances 
in really euro dollar cycles, but also as China's experiencing. We saw them, of course, 2014, really 2015 and 2016. We saw them come back again, euro dollar number four, that was 2018 and into 2019. And then, of course, we had RR cuts last year, too, a couple of them. So RRRs are warnings, not necessarily the solution here. And as that Bloomberg quote said, maybe they, this is, they don't know what else to do. So let's throw an RRR cut out there and hope it helps. Maybe it's enough sentimental uh, stimulus that people feel confident that Chinese banks could potentially use cash when they're not likely to do so. As we said, I mean, the financial statistics, total social financing have told us all along that Chinese banks are increasingly locking everything down. They don't want to lend whether they have the ability to lend more cash or not. Their balance sheet perceptions and constraints are overriding any positive impact that may come from having more cash available. And I think the Chinese government likely knows that, which is why the situation seems to be getting a bit worse. That was not the only thing Pan Gongsheng had to say. The PBOC governor also said that either later today or tomorrow, they were going to issue plans or going to release more specifics, though we'll, be, we'll wait for that, because whenever the Chinese government issues these plans, they always tend to be nonspecific and general and broad, so we'll see if there's anything concrete behind it. But Pan Gongsheng said that the PBOC was working with the National Financial Regulatory Administration to help what they said, high, quote, high quality real estate developers with funding. Now, I don't have the Chinese translation, just Google translation, whatever that means, but it suggests a couple of different things. One, they don't, they don't want to necessarily bail out the bad apples here, but they are definitely willing to work with high quality developers to make sure that they can stay in business and do what the Chinese government and the Chinese economy needs them to do. But the, the further implication of that is, has the funding problem spread to now high quality developers such that the central bank and other agencies within the government feel that they have to help out high quality developers too? That would be a particularly ominous signal. We're left speculating with limited information. We have good information on the economy, we have good information that banks don't want to lend. We don't have necessarily as much information about what's happening in developers. So this is one to keep an eye on. If they're talking about helping funding with high quality developers, that's not necessarily a good sign. It could be a sign that the real estate problem, the funding issue, illiquidity might be spreading such that even high quality developers are experiencing problems. Focused more in response to the stock market route, a couple days ago, Chinese authorities floated this idea they were also going to put together a rescue plan for shares. According to Bloomberg, policymakers are seeking to mobilize about 2 trillion yuan, the equivalent of about 278 billion, mainly from the offshore accounts of Chinese state-owned enterprises as part of a stabilization fund to buy shares onshore through the Hong Kong Exchange Link, said the people asking not to be identified, discussing a private matter. They have also earmarked at least 300 billion yuan of local funds to invest in onshore shares through China Securities Finance Corp or Central Hujin Investment LTD, the people said. So we've got a couple of different new things coming up, including short selling ban on Chinese stocks, which indicate 
authorities are increasingly unnerved by developments. And again, it all starts with the economy. The economy is not responding to previous stimulus efforts. It goes further into the real estate problem, which is not being fixed by all of the government's various efforts there targeted to uh, property owners in particular. Banks don't want to lend. The funding situation, while not horrible, continues to send somewhat alarming signals. And we'll get to those in just a second. But overall, it's pretty clear China's authorities because of the stock market route, which, which expresses some obvious and visible disdain, a lack of faith in everything about China, it's clear that they're very much spurred to action over the potential consequences of everything continuing to move in a direction Chinese authorities are attempting to stop it moving in that direction. It's not being stabilized, so continued escalating efforts, RRR cuts, as well as these other nebulous plans that the Chinese are going to come up with to try to calm everything down because it's increasingly not calm. So how serious is all of this? Before this week, if you asked me to rate the situation in China on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being perfectly, ideally calm, robust, actual booming, and 10 being, holy crap, there's a disorderly unwind, I would have put China somewhere around five because the situation, the economy is not good and it's continuing to get worse. Obviously, as I keep saying, it's not responding to fiscal stimulus or fiscal plans or even anything that the Chinese are doing. So that's, that's a key concerning signal. Obviously, they have the real estate problem. They have a massive real estate imbalance that's not just about real estate developers. It goes much deeper than that. So that's already existing and that's always been at least for the last decade, a potential risk that could tip the balance of China into a disorderly potential, a potentially disorderly unwind, and something Xi Jinping has focused on throughout his tenure. So they have the bubble with the lack of economic growth. That's already a danger, but that's one that's been lurking in the background. So you have an economy that's continuing to slowly degrade, a real estate situation that's potentially a major problem, but hasn't been so far. To me, that merits about a five on the risk scale. But with what just happened, the stock market, authorities reacting to it, the 50 basis point rate cut in the RRR, altering the procedure for announcing the rate cut, the stabilization plan, especially this idea we might need to rescue or help funding of high quality developers, these are potential signs of further degradation and deterioration. So maybe we're now moving from a five to a six, potentially a seven, depending upon a couple things from here. So let's talk about what we should be looking at as far as analyzing the situation and assessing the situation as China moves forward from this point. Now, of course, there's going to be a knee-jerk honeymoon period because there's always a knee-jerk short-run period where everybody says, oh, the Chinese authority, they're finally gotten to their senses and they're coming to our rescue. So there will be a short-run period where everybody is probably almost euphoric. And we've already seen that. China's stock market, the Shanghai Exchange, up last couple of days, up big again today. Hong Kong stocks were up big again today. I think they gained, the Hong Kong Hang Seng Index has gained almost 1,000 points just in the last two days. And I'm going to point out here the Nikkei Stock Index, Japan, has been down the last couple of days, going back to yesterday's video. But essentially, there's this... There's this um, honey new, honeymoon knee-jerk period where everybody gets really optimistic that maybe this time 
the Chinese will go far enough and that will fix the situation. So we want to step back and let the short run run its course and then see how everything develop, develops after that. But some things to really look for here. For further deterioration, if we're, if we're at a six right now because of what's happening, the government's response to the situation, what would turn us into, what would make it into a seven or worse, eight or nine or something like that? We would see more disorder and volatility across financial indications, starting with the Chinese yuan, the exchange value. Right now it's hanging around about 720 to the dollar and the authorities clearly would like it more up about 710. In fact, Xi Jinping in a speech he just gave recently referenced a strong yuan. That's something he would like to see. Right now the CFET's midpoint parity is about 710. So 720 is still yuan, which has you know, been basically sideways for the last six, seven months here, but it's been volatile and it's been through a lot of effort just to try to keep it at 720, which is a weak number. But if if, if the yuan continues to weaken from here, that would be a sign of further escalation in the overall Chinese situation. So we'll keep an eye on CNY. That's a, a good one to, to start with. And again, as I mentioned, CNY is only around 720 with a massive amount of effort. The last couple of days, Chinese banks have once more been spotted in the spot market as well as in the swaps market, borrowing dollars in swaps and selling dollars in spot which basically means they're redistributing dollars to the market won't to other parts of the Chinese system. So CNY at 720 with a great deal of effort. If CNY goes further back down to 730 or beyond, that would be a clear signal of, of deterioration. One thing to watch inside of China, specifically related to Chinese banks and the financial situation though, not necessarily developers, I wish we had that level of detail, but we can watch repo rates and unsecured rates like Shibor. As far as the repo market is concerned, we mentioned repo rates had surged in at, at the end of October and again in November. They also surged at the at the end of the year, which is not uh, not abnormal. Um, but in January, repo rates have been ticking back higher again. The seven-day and fourteen-day repo rates, and seven days the more important one. The seven-day repo rates have been moving a bit higher in January, but even the overnight repo rate, which had softened in December, has been picking back up in January too. Over the last half of last year, repo rates have been elevating and there's a bit more month-end volatility, quarter-end volatility, year-end volatility, along with, along, along with the increasing repo rates overall. So if we see repo rates escalate even further, rise a little bit more, maybe a little bit more volatility while they're doing so, that would be a warning sign that liquidity is starting to really become an issue. Uh, we also have the same thing with Shibor, which is unsecured lending in money markets in China, RMB lending in China. I want to pay attention to the three-month Shibor rate, which got up to around 260 at the end of last year before coming back down in January 2024. Why we want to pay attention to the three-month Shiber rate uh, versus, say, the overnight or one-week rates is because when the system be starts to become increasingly nervous, increasingly risk-averse, the less you want to, as a cash provider, provide cash for a longer period of time. This is something we saw in the housing bubble and housing crisis, really the euro dollar shortage in 2007 and 2008. Banks stopped terming out their funding. They were only lend, if they were going to lend at all, on a very short run basis. And that's kind of what we see just 
a little bit of a hint of a reluctance to term out loans, overnight unsecured loans in China, with the three-month rate being more elevated when compared to the overnight and one-week rates, which are somewhat moving up here too, but it's it's really in relation to the three-month rate, rate. And you also notice that the, the one-week rate and the overnight Shiber rates, they don't have the same downside range that they had, say, early part of last year. So there, there are small hints here that, that uh, liquidity is becoming more of an issue in unsecured interbank lending too. But again, that's one thing that we need to watch here is three-month Shiber. If that starts to really move in a more determined fashion higher, that's a sign that banks are becoming more risk-averse, certainly in unsecured lending in the interbank market, and they don't want to term out these fundings, that, that funding. So if we're already at... We went from a five to maybe a six here. To get to a seven and, and beyond, we would see more disruption in these interbank markets. We'd see it more visibly in, in the CNY yuan exchange rate. We'd see further routes in the stock market, uh, though that might be calm for a little bit, a little bit here. But we also have to keep in mind that this isn't 2009 anymore. China is in much worse shape than it was 15 years ago because the situation has changed dramatically. They no longer have the growth backdrop. They no longer have the financial capacity to absorb a massive stimulus program because they have the bubble already and lack the economic growth. So what the Chinese are really trying to do is let the air out slowly, but in letting the air out slowly against that backdrop, it risks this possible disorderly unwind. And what we see in the economy and the real estate sector, in its lack of response to government efforts so far, suggests that the risks are not trivial here. That's why we were at a five beforehand. And the further it goes, and the more financial volatility we see in more obvious ways, the more likely you get to that disorderly position. Now that's not necessary, it's not a given by any me, any stretch of the imagination here. It's not written in stone. That still remains a primary risk, but it's still just a risk. And if, but it's a, it's a realistic one, and it's one authorities are attempting desperately to, to avoid. So we're going to keep our eye on CNY, repo rates, SHIBOR rates, economic data, of course, but also the government's response to everything. Again, as we keep saying, the more the government does the worse you know it is. An RR cut is not going to help all that much. I mean, how many times we see RR cuts and they don't change the situation at all? They're an acknowledgement that it's getting worse, that the situation is becoming more of a problem than authorities find comfortable, being comfortable with. And so today's measures, they moved us from a five to a six, and now we're going to see how it plays out in the short run. Is there any positive effects this time around beyond just a knee-jerk honeymoon? Is it going to last? Is it going to produce positive results in the real economy, in the real estate market? Or if it doesn't, does it lead to a further round, a ratcheting down, more deterioration and degradation that we can detect and see, and then we'll see what happens from there. But China is the world's biggest risk right now. And it doesn't just mean it's a problem for the Chinese. There are direct consequences in terms of trade across the rest of the world. There are more indirect consequences about how these financial risks are shared around the rest of the world, Japan and the Nikkei, for example, as well as geopolitical risks. If it gets really bad in China, does that raise the probability the Chinese do something 
truly horrific? Is Japan's Nikkei a signal of investors fleeing from China? That's the question we investigated in yesterday's video. That's the one I've got linked below me. As always, I thank you very much for joining me. Huge thank you, Eurodollar University members and subscribers. Until next time, take care.